Independent Audio presents William Shakespeare's Troilus and Cressida, Act One, Part Two, The Heavens Themselves. Agamemnon. Princes, what grief hath set the jaundice on your cheeks? The ample proposition that hope makes in all designs, begun on earth below, fails in the promised largeness. Checks and disasters grow in the veins of actions highest reared. As knots, by the conflux of meeting sap, infect the sound pine, and divert his grain tort of an errant from his course of growth. Nor, princes, is it matter new to us that we come short of our suppose so far, that after seven years' siege, yet Troy walls stand. Sith every action that hath gone before, whereof we have record, trial did draw bias and thwart, not answering the aim, and that unbodied figure of the thought that gave it surmised shape. Why then, you princes, do you, with cheeks abashed, behold our works, and call them shames, which are indeed not else but the protractive trials of great Jove to find persistive constancy in men, the fineness of which metal is not found in fortune's love. For then the bold and coward, the wise and fool, the artist and unread, the hard and soft, seem all affined and kin, but in the wind and tempest of her frown, distinction, with a broad and powerful fan, puffing at all, winnows the light away, and what hath mass or matter by itself lies rich in virtue and unmingled. With due observance of thy godlike sheet, great Agamemnon, Nestor shall apply thy latest words. In the reproof of chance lies the true proof of men. The sea being smooth, how many shallow bobbled boats dare sail upon her patient breast, making their way with those of nobler bulk? But let the ruffian Boreas once enrage the gentle Thetis, and anon behold the strong ribbed bark through liquid mountains cut, bounding between the two moist elements like Perseus' horse. Where's then the saucy boat whose weak, untimbered sides but even now co-rivaled greatness? Either to harbor fled or made a toast for Neptune. <laughs> even so doth valor's show and valor's worth divide in storms of fortune. For in her ray and brightness the herd hath more annoyance by the breeze than by the tiger. But when the splitting wind makes flexible the knees of knotted oaks, and flies fled under shade, why, then the thing of courage, as roused with rage, with rage doth sympathize, and with an accent tuned in self-same key, retorts to chiding fortune. Agamemnon, thou great commander, nerve and bone of Greece, heart of our numbers, soul and only spirit, in whom the tempers and the minds of all should be shut up. Hear what Ulysses speaks. 
Besides the applause and approbation to which most mighty for thy place and sway, <coughs> and thou most reverend for thy stretched out life. Oh, you are. <laughs> I give to both your speeches, which were such as Agamemnon and the hand of Greece should hold up high in brass, and such again as venerable Nestor, hatched in silver, should with a bond of air, strong as the axle tree on which heaven rides, knit all their Greekish ears to his experienced tongue. Yet let it please both, thou great and wise, to hear Ulysses speak. Speak, Prince of Ithaca, and be it of less expect that matter needless of importless burden divide thy lips, then we are confident. When rank Thersides opes his mastic jaws, we shall hear music, wit, and oracle. Troy, yet upon his basis, had been down, and the great Hector's sword had lacked a master, but for these instances. The specialty of rule hath been neglected, and look how many Grecian tents do stand hollow upon this plain, so many hollow factions, when that the general is not like the hive to whom the foragers shall all repair, what honey is expected? Degree being visited, the unworthiest shows as fairly in the mask. The heavens themselves, the planets, and this center observe degree, priority, and place, insisture, course, proportion, season, form, office, and custom in all line of order. And therefore is the glorious planet Sol in noble eminence enthroned and sphered amidst the other, whose medicinable eye corrects the ill aspects of planet's evil, and posts, like the commandment of a king, psalms check to good and bad. But when the planets in evil mixture to disorder wander, what plagues and what portents, what mutiny, what raging of the sea, shaking of earth, commotion in the winds, Frights, changes, horrors, divert and crack, rend and deracinate the unity and married calm of states quite from their fixture. Oh, when degree is shaked, which is the ladder to all high designs, then enterprise is sick. How could communities, degrees in schools and brotherhoods in cities, peaceful commerce from dividable shores, the primogenitive and due of birth, prerogative of age, crowns, scepters, laurels, but by degree stand in authentic place. Take but degree away, untune that string, and hark what discord follows. Each thing meets in mere appugnancy. The bounded waters should lift their bosoms higher than the shores and make a sob of all this solid globe. Strength should be lord of imbecility, and the rude son should strike his father dead. Force should be right, or rather right and wrong, between whose endless jar justice resides, should lose their names, and so should justice too. Then everything includes itself in power, power into will, will into appetite, and appetite an universal wolf. So doubly seconded with will and power, must make perforce a universal prey, and last eat up himself. Great Agamemnon, this chaos, when degree is suffocate, follows the choking. And this neglection of degree it is that by a pace goes backward, with a purpose it hath to climb. The generals disdained by him one step below, he by the next, that next by him beneath, 
So every step, exemplified by the first pace that is sick of his superior, grows to an envious fever of pale and bloodless emulation. And tis this fever that keeps Troy on foot, not her own sinews. To end a tale of length, Troy in our weakness stands, not in her strength. Most wisely hath Ulysses here discovered the fever whereof all our power is sick. The nature of the sickness found, Ulysses. What is the remedy? The great Achilles, whom opinion crowns the sinew and the forehand of our host, having his ear full of his airy fame, grows dainty of his worth, and in his tent lies mocking our designs. With him, Patroclus, upon a lazy bed the live-long day, breaks scurril jests. And with ridiculous and awkward action, which slanderer he imitation calls, he pageants us. Sometime, great Agamemnon, thy topless deputation he puts on, and like a strutting player whose conceit lies in his hamstring and doth think it rich to hear the wooden dialogue and sound twixt his stretched footing and the scaffoldage such to be pitied and o'errested seeming he acts thy greatness in and when he speaks tis like a chime amending with terms unsquared which from the tongue of roaring typhon dropped would seem hyperboles at this fusty stuff, the large Achilles, on his pressed bed lolling, from his deep chest laughs out a loud applause, cries, Excellent! Tis Agamemnon just! Now play me Nestor, him, and stroke thy beard, as his being dressed to some oration. That's done, as near as the extremest ends of parallels, as like as Vulcan and his wife. Yet God Achilles still cries, Excellent! Tis Nestor right! Now play him me, Patroclus, arming to answer in a night alarm. And then, forsooth, the faint defects of age must be the scene of mirth, to cough and spit, and with a palsy fumbling on his gorget, shake in and out the rivet. And at this sport, Sir Valor dies, cries, Oh, enough, Patroclus, or give me ribs of steel. I shall split all in pleasure of my spleen. And in this fashion, all our abilities, gifts, natures, shapes, severals and generals of grace exact, achievements, plots, orders, preventions, excitements to the field, or speech for truce, Success or losses, what is or is not, serves as stuff for these two to make paradoxes. And in the imitation of these twain, who, as Ulysses says, opinion crowns with an imperial voice, many are in fact. Ajax is grown self-willed and bears his head in such a rain in full as proud a place as broad Achilles, keeps his tent like him, makes factious feasts, rails on our state of war, bold as an oracle, and sets Thersites, a slave whose gall coin slanders like a mint, to match us in comparisons with dirt, to weaken and discredit our exposure, how ranks soever rounded in with danger. They tax our policy and call it cowardice count wisdom as no member of the war, 
forestall prescience, and esteem no act but that of hand. The still and mental parts that do contrive how many hands shall strike when fitness calls them on, and know by measure of their observant toil the enemy's weight. Why, this hath not a finger's dignity. They call this bedwork, mappery, closet war. So that the ram that batters down the wall, for the great swing and rudeness of his poise, they place before his hand that made the engine, or those that with the fineness of their souls, by reason, guide his execution. Let this be granted that Achilles' horse makes many Thetis sons. What? Look, Menelaus. From Troy. Aeneas. What would you for our tent? Is this great Agamemnon's tent, I pray you? Even this. May one that is a herald and a prince do a fair message to his kingly ears. With surety stronger than Achilles' arm for all the Greekish heads, which with one voice call Agamemnon head and general. Fairly and large security. How may a stranger to those most imperial looks know them from eyes of other mortals? How? I, I ask, that I might waken reverence and bid the cheek be ready with a blush modest as morning when she coldly eyes the youthful Phoebus, which is the god in office guiding men, which is the high and mighty Agamemnon. <laughs> This Trojan scorns us, or the folk of Troy are ceremonious courtiers. Courtiers as free as debonair, unarmed as bending angels. That's their fame in peace. But when they would seem soldiers, they have galls, good arms, strong joints, true swords, and Jove's accord, nothing so full of heart. But peace, Aeneas. Peace, Trojan, lay thy finger on thy lips. The worthiness of praise disdains his worth, if that the praised himself bring the praise forth. But what the repining enemy commends, that breath fame blows, that praise soul sure transcends. Sir, you of Troy, call you yourself Aeneas? I, Greek. That is my name. What's your affair, I pray you? Ma'am, pardon. Tis for Agamemnon's ears. She hears not privately that comes from Troy. Nor I from Troy come to whisper her. I bring a trumpet to awake her ear, to set her sense on the attentive bent, and then to speak. Speak frankly as the wind. It is not Agamemnon's sleeping hour, that thou shalt know. Trojan, she is awake, she tells thee so herself. Trumpet, blow loud. Send thy brass voice through all these lazy tents, and every Greek of metal, let him know what Troy means fairly shall be spoke aloud. We have, great Agamemnon, here in Troy, a prince called Hector. Priam is his father, who, in this dull and long-continued truce, is rusty-grown. He bade me take a trumpet and to this purpose speak. Kings, 
princes, lords. If there be among the fairest of Greece that holds his honour higher than his ease, that seeks his praise more than he fears his peril, that knows his valour and knows not his fear, that loves his mistress more than in confession with truant vows to her own lips he loves, and dare avow her beauty and her worth in other arms than hers, to him this challenge. Hector, in view of Trojans and of Greeks, shall make it good, or do his best to do it. He hath a lady, wiser, fairer, truer, than ever Greek did compass in his arms, and will, tomorrow, with his trumpet, call midway between your tents and walls of Troy, to rouse a Grecian that is true in love. If any come, Hector shall honour him. If none, he'll say in Troy when he retires, the Grecian dames are sunburnt and not worth the splinter of a lance. Even so much. <coughs> this shall be told our lovers, Lord Aeneas. If none of them have soul in such a kind, we left them all at home. But we are soldiers, and may that soldier a mere recreant prove that means not, hath not, or is not in love. If then one is, or hath, or means to be, that one meets Hector. If none else, I am he. Tell him of Nestor, one that was a man when Hector's grandsire sucked. He is old now, but if there be not in our Grecian host one noble man that hath one spark of fire, I'll hide my silver beard in a gold beaver, and in my vambrace put this withered brawn, and meeting him will tell him that my lady was fairer than his grandam and as chaste as may be in the world. His youth and flood, I'll prove this truth with my three traps of blood. <sighs> Now, heavens forbid such scarcity of youth. Amen. Fair Aeneas, let me touch your hand. To our pavilion shall I lead you, ma'am. Achilles shall have word of this intent. So shall each lord of Greece, from tent to tent. Yourself shall feast with us before you go, and find the welcome of a noble foe. Nestor. Huh? What says Ulysses? I have a young conception in my brain. Be you my time to bring it to some shape? What is? This tis. Blunt wedges rive hard knots. The seeded pride that hath to this maturity blown up in rank Achilles must or now be cropped. Or, shedding, breed a nursery of like evil to overbulk us all. Well, and how? This challenge that the gallant Hector sends, however it is spread in general name, relates in purpose only to Achilles. The purpose is perspicuous even as substance, whose grossness little characters sum up, and in the publication make no strain but that Achilles, where his brain is bare on his banks of Libya, though Apollo knows tis dry enough, will, with great speed of judgment, I with celerity, find Hector's purpose pointing on him. And wake him to the answer, think you? Yes, tis most meet. 
Who may you else suppose that can from Hector bring his honor off, if not Achilles? Don't be a sportful combat, yet in the trial much opinion dwells. For here the Trojans taste our dearest repute with their finest palate. And trust to me, Ulysses, our imputation shall be oddly poised in this wild action. For the success, although particular, shall give a scantling of good or bad unto the general. And in such indexes, although small pricks to the subsequent volumes, there is seen the baby figure of the giant mass of things to come at large. It is supposed he that meets Hector issues from our choice, and choice, being mutual act of all our souls, makes merit her election, and doth boil, as twere from us all, a man distilled out of our virtues, who, miscarrying what heart receives from hence the conquering part, to steal a strong opinion to themselves, which entertained limbs are his instruments in no less working than our swords and bows directed by the limbs. Give pardon to my speech. Therefore, tis meet, Achilles meet not Hector. Let us, like merchants, show our foulest wares, and think, perchance, they'll sell. If not, the luster of the better yet to show shall show the better. Do not consent that ever Hector and Achilles meet, for both our honor and our shame in this are dogged with two strange followers. I see them not with my old eyes. What are they? What glory our Achilles shares from Hector, were he not proud, we all should share with him. But he already is too insolent. And we were better parched in Afric's son than in the pride and salt scorn of his eyes, should he scape Hector fair. If he were foiled, why then, we did our main opinion crush in taint of our best man. No. Make a lottery, and by device, let blockish Ajax draw the sort to fight with Hector. Among ourselves, give him allowance for the better man. For that will physic the great Myrmidon, who broils in loud applause, and make him fall his crest, that prouder than blue iris bends. <laughs> if the dull brainless Ajax comes safe off, we'll dress him up in voices. If he fail, Yet go we under our opinion still, that we have better men. But hit or miss, our project's life this shape of sense assumes. Ajax employed plucks down Achilles' plumes. Ulysses, now I begin to relish thy advice, <laughs> and I will give a taste of it forthwith to Agamemnon, go we to him straight. Two curs shall tame each other, pride alone must tar the mastiffs on. As twere their bone. <laughs> the Pendant Shakespeare, also known as the Wild Bill Variety Show. Troilus and Cressida, Act 1, Part 2. Featuring the voice talents of Kendra Murray as Ulysses, Gail Womba as Agamemnon, Garen Fitzgerald as Nesta, Julia Eve as Aeneas and the Prologue, André Verneau as Menelaus. Written by William Shakespeare, dramaturgy and audio adaptation by Morgan Z. Sowell. Directed by James Rossi and Joel Rowan. Music by Josh Molan at thetunepeddler.com. Pendant Shakespeare theme by Landon Bell. Produced by Pendant Productions, 
This production is copyright 2019, Pendant Productions.